Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bavarian Podcast Works on what is, at the time of recording, Super Bowl Sunday. And at that, a very snowy one in southeastern Connecticut, which I'm not looking forward to. Got to do some shoveling later today, but we digress. This is Tom Adams here. I am joined today by BFW and BPW's infamous schnitzel halfway across the globe, as usual. So, Schnitzel, how are you doing today? I'm sure it's not, uh, you know, snow-covered India where you are, uh, and I'm very jealous of that. But uh, how are you doing? I know it's pretty late at night right now where you are. Yeah, it is uh, at the time of recording at this point in time, 10.40 p.m. So it's not it's not exactly late because I usually uh, stay up really late for Champions League and Bundesliga games. I have a tendency to stay up beyond 2 or 3 a.m. So I'm kind of used to this environment. With that being said, like emotionally and mentally, I'm not feeling that good right now after yesterday's loss, which was like really disappointing. And I was actually expecting a washout. I was expecting a dominant victory, but not the other way around. I wasn't expecting that for Bochum. So that was a huge surprise. But I guess you had a silver lining victory with Liverpool today against Burnley. So that is one thing you can you know look up to from this week. I did, uh, albeit a very, very boring game and kind of a scrappy Fabinho goal, but I don't want people to give me too much heat for mentioning Liverpool every time I'm on this podcast. But speaking of staying up late, now you had to stay up late. I don't know exactly what time it would have been, but you had to stay up pretty late and experience uh, what a lot of Bayern fans across the world had to experience yesterday, which was just absolutely painful, dreadful performance back to front, except for Lewandowski picking up his brace. But again, Schnitzel, we saw this, what I've referred to as many, many times on Twitter and in pieces for BFW as Julian Nagelsmann's all-out attack lineup, where we saw Lewandowski, Thomas Muller, Kingsley Coman, Leroy Sané, and Serge Gnabry all start at the same time. Now, this was the same that we saw against Hertha Berlin a few weeks back and slightly the same as RB Leipzig. All of those guys I just mentioned started together. However, against Leipzig, uh, Joshua Kimmich was not the lone midfielder. He had Tolisso lined up next to him. And in the back, we had essentially all of our center backs comprising the back four, Luca Hernandez, Dio Upamecano, Nikola Zula, and obviously Benjamin Pavard. And Schnitzel, this just never it never really seemed like we ever got a foothold in the match it didn't seem like it worked like it did against Leipzig and Hertha Berlin this lineup do you like what do you think Nagelsmann's rationale was for putting out that same lineup I mean we obviously we saw it worked against Hertha Berlin we squeaked away with it against Leipzig I thought Leipzig posed way more of a threat than Hertha Berlin did but were you surprised to see him start with this all-out attack and, you know, Joshua Kimmich as sort of the lone central midfielder? Uh, did you think that, you know, his intentions were right? Or do you, were you kind of surprised to see that? Uh, and then obviously the way that it just did not work at Bauckham. I think it was either Nagelsmann, like, experimenting with the lineup or him just losing the tactical battle outright, like him just committing a blunder or a set of blunders that led to a very embarrassing loss. And uh, I think at this point, obviously, Nagelsmann has some leeway in the Bundesliga because we're six points ahead. Dortmund just won against uh, Union, so that lead is quickly closing up. But I think it is fortunate that we had that lead and that Nagelsmann has some room to experiment the lineup. But 
I think he lost this battle and he shouldn't put forward these kind of lineups at all. Like, I think he should never do a 4-1-4-1 with Joshua Kimmich as the lone midfielder because there's a fundamental and that is our defense is not looking great without Davies. There's a lot of pressure, especially when Sven Ulreich is in goal and you don't have that 11th outfield player in Manuel Neuer who, you know, often comes out, helps with the passing, the sweeper-keeper role, even assisted once this season, if I remember correctly. So yes, he did. Yep. You don't have that kind of, and you don't have that kind of, you know, additional support from the back, and you can't take Sven Ulreich for granted. You can't take the situation for granted. You don't have enough support in midfield. So the team is just overrun by the opposition midfield and the wingers. And starting all three of our wingers at the same time makes no sense, especially when all of them are injury prone and you're just removing the midfield altogether. So Thomas Miller's role, you know, becomes less influential on the attack because now he plays as a number eight. You have Leroy Zane, who is supposed to be like a makeshift attacking midfielder slash winger. You have Serge Gnabry, who's just like really terrible at the moment. And Kingsley Coman, who has, you know, the occasional good assist or cross or, you know, goal, good decision making. And then suddenly he just makes like a brain numbing decision. So against Bochum, Lewandowski was the one player who can actually say he gave us all and actually put in an admirable shift. The others really disappointed me. And I think a large part of that was because of the lineup. Mm-hmm. I'm just not happy with this kind of lineup situation. And I think it's fine for Nagelsmann to experiment, but he should learn from these losses. And that is, number one, don't have a lone midfielder because that's a lot of pressure. Number two, give chances to Zabitzer, Omar Richards, because the whole point of getting in good rotation players is to use them when players are out due to injuries and not just let them rot in the bench because Zabitzer was a 15 million transfer. Omar Richards didn't come for free either. We need to use these players, right? And aside from that, Luca Hernandez should not start at the left-back position. He should be a centre-back. We saw what happens when Zula and Upamecano start, and we have seen that so many times this season. They shouldn't start together. These are fundamental tactical questions that Nagelsmann should ponder, and I think he should make some changes you know, in the game against Salzburg that comes midfield, because... If he doesn't, then Bayern should be, you know, facing a lot more difficulties in the future. That's all I can say. Yeah, I mean, when I was trying to digest everything yesterday, you know, I took a couple deep breaths. I think it was probably three, four hours after full time that I had, you know, kind of put out this message on Twitter where I was saying, I get it. I mean, I think I can look inside Nagelsmann's head and and see what he was trying to do, you know, against a team like Bauckham. Granted, they're in a, a relatively decent patch of form coming into this match for, you know, their standards. I think in his head, Nagelsmann wanted to try and stay with the all-out attack to try and keep them kind of glued to their own half, if that makes sense. You know, just throw so much at them that they have too much to deal with and they get overwhelmed. And, you know, a lot of times teams like that against Bayern, they set up these very compact, tight, deep defensive blocks that are just so difficult to break down and results in you know, forced passes, you know, us making sloppy passes, the other team getting possession and launching a counterattack. And I think Bauckham just were fearless, absolutely fearless in their counterattack. And our defending did not help. But, you know, I thought Holtman and Antwi Ajay were both fantastic on the counter yesterday, both of them obviously grabbing goals. Um, and both ones that I don't think Sven Ulrich really had much of a chance to save. But 
this just begs the question too. I mean, I'm, you kind of just touched on it right there. We look at the bench yesterday. We have Marcel Sabitzer, who I know you are a big fan of, and you're kind of disappointed with how things are going thus far. Mark, Mark Rolka was also on the bench. Corentin Tolisso, who, who even, right, Schnitzel? This is a guy, you know, we were about two months ago, a month and a half ago, really debating his future at Bayern, but he strung together such a positive run of form himself that all of a sudden Bayern's front office is reconsidering, you know, and leaning more towards giving him a contract extension instead of offloading him somewhere, uh, whether it was this winter or obviously this upcoming summer transfer window. So even he was on the bench and a lot of us were befuddled to not see him start after doing so well against Leipzig, FC Kuhn, uh, Hertha Berlin. Uh, so that is just the biggest, the biggest question too. And we saw, you know, he made a tactical switch at halftime. I don't think you know, it takes a rocket science or, you know, the smartest Bayern fan to see that Upamakano was one of the weakest links yesterday and, uh, you know, rightfully taken off at halftime and a little bit of a tactical shift. And I think, you know, we could easily argue Bayern played a little bit better in the second half, obviously conceded four, only scored one uh, in the first half. And in the second half, we scored one, conceded zero. While Bauckham still did have their chances, it was to much lesser effect than in the first half for them. But Schnitzel just... What do you think, like, you just said it, Omar Richards, Sabitzer, Mark Roca, what do these guys have to do to get in the starting lineup? I mean, it, do you, is there something there, do you think, that Nagelsmann sees that we don't? Or do you think it's a trust issue? Or do you think it's just something else? I mean, I mean, where do you, where do you try and rationalize what Nagelsmann uh, is doing with that as far as not giving those guys a lot of time? especially in an opportunity like yesterday where we have to be thinking about Salzburg already. I'm actually one of uh, Nagelsmann's biggest supporters and people know that because I've usually defended him resolutely despite the barrage of, you know, negative comments that usually, and the negative reactions that come out after a loss or a disappointing, you know, performance or showing from the band squad. But I think at this point, like uh, obviously Nagelsmann is experimenting with the squad he is pondering on whether to start some of the fringe players, some of the bench warmers, some of the substitute players who have been brought to, you know, fill, fill that rotation, you know, spot. Because players like Goretzka and Alfonso Davies, they are so important to the team that these are big shoes to fill. And Davies in particular, like he is such an influential player. Like he is so good at what he does that it's, I don't think there exists any player around the world who can, impact a game from the left-back position as much as Davies does. But that being said, I think he should give Omar Richards a good shot because he has been he has shown that he can be very good defensively, at least. And he's pretty solid overall. His dribbling is quite good. And his pace is definitely better than, you know, what we would have if it's a left-left defense situation of Luca Hernandez and Niklas Zula who seems to have become slower all of a sudden, which makes like no sense. It's probably what happened to Alaba, you know, before he transferred to Real Madrid. Like his, some people were saying that his head is already halfway out the door. So that is probably, you know, I'm not sure if that's an actual factor yesterday, in yesterday's performance, but Sula also didn't cover himself in glory yesterday. Probably need to feed him two or three burgers to like you know help improve his <laughs> Uh-oh. spirits. Uh oh, all of the uh, the people. It was funny. Some people on Twitter had seemed to think that we were the ones who started the hashtag fat fat Zula trend, even though we were the ones just reporting on it because he did come back 
from a I think it was an international break and Hansi Flick was uh, not happy with the the weight and the condition that he came yeah, back and the, in. And the most recent Christmas break as well, he gained four kilos. I'm pretty sure you saw that piece of information. Yeah, yeah. it was reported yeah. that he he gained four kilos, and uh, that's pretty concerning actually, considering you're a professional athlete and you're expected to you know, keep those fitness standards high, especially at a club like Bayern, where you're expected to perform at such a consistent basis. Yeah. But I guess I'm digressing. The main point here is that I'm not very happy with Nagelsmann's substitutions at the moment. He should do them earlier if he sees that, you know, the team is not functioning properly. And I don't know what that man needs to be done to actually see Zabitz start. And I've been crying over this for weeks and months. And I just haven't seen that man get one start at the eight position in his preferred role or at the attacking midfield spot. He has the ability to influence games, to change games all by himself. He's that kind of a game-changing player. And he has shown repeatedly at RB Leipzig and for Austria how good he is. But I think at this point, it's a balance for Nagelsmann. He trusted Goretzka and Alfonso Davies so much that he probably thinks that it's going to be very difficult to fill those gaps for the fringe players. So maybe he's creating a, trying to create a solution elsewhere, sort of overthinking it, but also not solving the inherent problem. Uh, maybe to you know, use an analogy, say it as a car and the engine is not working properly, right? So there's an inherent like, damage to the interior of the car. So what Nagelsmann is doing is basically just getting, you know, five or six people to push the car instead of like actually <laughs> doing something to repair the damage. Pretty so, much. Or maybe Sounds about right. Engine. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this might work miraculously in some games. Like we saw the game against Hertha, against Leipzig, we managed to get, you know, a good result, but it doesn't necessarily work with all teams. And if teams are fearless against Bayern, like Bochum, and if they are coming all out and they will in the Champions League as well, like we will face a lot of quality opposition. We just cannot afford to take risks like these. We should set a stable lineup. And for that very reason, I believe that you need the blueprint for buying success uh, hinges on, you know, the midfield and the attack and how, you know, the transition happens. And without a two-man midfield, there will be just way too much pressure on the defense and we are bound to concede goals. So if Nagelsmann, you know, learns something from this game and starts Omar Richards, gives Marcel Zabitzer that well-earned start after all this while, things could change for Bayern. If not, I'm not, I'm actually not very confident about the RB Salzburg match either. I mean, this might sound surprising, but like, I'm actually concerned because they have a good attack and they tested Hansi Flick's Bayern. So I'm kind of worried. That they did. And, you know, when you were saying all this stuff too, we're talking about how some of these guys just like don't get a chance. I'm thinking, you know, is it a trust issue with like veteran guys? Like Sabitzer's not a young, inexperienced player either. And Nagelsmann obviously knows that given their time working together at RB Leipzig. But I wonder how much of that plays into his thinking. You know, I get it, uh, especially it was Hansi Flick, right? If we recall back to last season, he was one of the guys who had conversations with Leroy Zane to get him to come back and do more work on the defensive side of the ball. And I think he does, you know, the Sané who was struggling his first season coming back from that cruciate ligament. He, when he loses the ball, might put his head down, look up to the sky, look up to the heavens, as they say, and, you know, be all frustrated, have a bad demeanor. But now when he loses the ball, he seems to hustle back and, you know, get in front of the, get in front of the uh, person who took the ball away and either slows him up, pokes it away, you know, breaks up the counterattack or, 
whatever it might be, but he does his, his work on both sides of the ball. And I get it. I mean, I Nagelsmann could have very well before yesterday, before kickoff had said Sané, uh, Muller, Gnabry, uh, I need you guys to be doing this. You need to get on both sides of the ball to cover for Kimmich if he's advanced uh, and, and both uh, Benjamin Pavard and Luca Hernandez, if they're pushed forward, which obviously those two guys, as we've just discussed, don't do it to as great of an effect as a guy like Alfonso Davies. I think he's, a one-of-a-kind player, you know, I could argue uh, Andy Robertson for Liverpool, but I would even say, objectively, Davies offers much more as far as pace is concerned. I think a better comparison would be Davies and Alexander-Arnold because yeah. they play the opposite sides of the pitch, obviously, but they're very similar in terms of what they offer. And while Alexander-Arnold might not be as good a dribbler as Davies or might not possess the blistering pace that Davies has, yeah. his crossing yeah. is really good. And he can create those chances from the right side of the of the wing so that you could you could compare those two players and you can see that the, the parallels in the game and you know how influential uh Trent Alexander Arnold is to Liverpool's attack and to the entire oh, game yes. so 100%. imagine imagine having Trent out for like 8 weeks it's going to really put a dent into all your hopes right 100% it's pretty much the same with Davies and Bayern and even at that i mean I would still say I would take Davies in a foot race if those three are doing, you know, a hundred meter dash or even longer distance. I think the more, you know, the more ground Davies covers, the quicker he gets. So for Bayern, that works so well, especially with the way that they have a susceptibility to have counterattacks sprung on them because uh, Davies can cover so much space in such a quick period of time. And it's almost like always that insurance policy for Bayern to be a little bit more fearless going forward and, you know, try more things because they have that in their back pocket. But, you know, like I said, just making my point here, it's a, perhaps a trust thing for Nagelsmann without discrediting Sabitzer, Roca, Taliso, or even Omar Richards, or even Stanisic, we can bring it to this conversation. Now, he wasn't on the bench yesterday. He's coming back from an injury and I think a COVID infection from a while ago himself. But, you know, we all can remember how well he stood firm in the beginning of the season when a lot of us didn't even know exactly who he was. Uh, I thought he did very well when he had to deputize when Pavard was not available. And then again, when Pavard uh, had his red card suspension. But I believe that was a period where Nicolas Sula got pushed out to the right back spot. But, you know, I, I think Schnitzel just might have to do with uh, trust. And so that kind of like begs the question, if he's not going to trust him away at Balkum, granted, it's a, it was a very raucous atmosphere. One of those venues where it's a lower ceiling, the noise carries and Obviously, restrictions in Germany are also starting to lighten now, so there are more fans present there than there would have been uh, had restrictions not lightened up yet. But you, you mentioned it, you know, the nerves are there for the Salzburg match. I think it's the first leg away, not too far of a trip from Munich, to be quite honest. But even still, you know, if he's not going to trust those guys at Bochum, what is going to make him trust them in a Champions League knockout stage game when the first leg is away, Right. So I think I think the answer to that is, you know, experience from a loss, a loss as embarrassing as that one should be enough to change a coach's mind of, you know, the tactical game plan that he usually. So uses. I'll, I'll pose this question to you. Do you do you see leg one uh, upcoming this week? Uh, Sabitzer, Roca, Richards, probably Tolisso has the strongest start to shout. Do you think one of them, perhaps two of them? Surely not all of them, Schnitzel. <laughs> I'm kind of putting my cards behind Nagelsmann on this one because I feel he's, and he accepted after the game as well. Like he did accept the shortcomings. I believe he said that he should have subbed out some people earlier and maybe brought in other people, you know, at 
an earlier stage so that they could have influenced the game and that he right. might have made some incorrect tactical decisions. So Nagelsmann strikes me as a coach who is willing to learn and who is constantly willing to improve his philosophy and the philosophy of the team as well. So that being considered, I don't think he is going to start a 4-1-4-1 lineup because he knows that it clearly doesn't work. And I, I think Kimmich is going to have a partner in midfield. I'm not sure who. I think it's going to be Tolisso because uh, that's probably the safer option for Nagelsmann at this point. And also, I just think Zabitzer probably like provoked him in training or something. Like I honestly have no idea why he's not started at all. And Tolisso's last game against Leipzig, it was actually not a very good performance. It was terrible, in fact. I was so we even should calling say him too, out. I know that uh, by all accounts, it, it appears that Davies had a good checkup recently. It was at uh, Zabinerstrasse, uh, cruising around, I think, watching one of the training sessions. But even uh, yeah. your, ma- your main man, we can't forget, Sabitzer deputized that left back. Uh, a few yeah, times. exactly. It didn't do too terrible. So that, I mean, that's always an option in the back pocket too. Speaking of a guy no, who's don't say that. <laughs> hey, don't say that. Yeah. Did we win both Man. of the games where he started at left back? Answer that question. It might not we have been RB Salzburg, but. But he, but he received a lot of flack for, you know, a guy who's playing completely out of position. And it's kind of like, so, so benching Omar Richards and playing Marcel Zabitzer at left back is like creating two problems instead of you know solving both simultaneously. You could just yeah. slot in Omar Richards at left back, play Marcel Zabitzer at the eight, Luca Hernandez slots in at left center back, and you have a wonderful lineup that's capable yeah. of actually winning games. Can you imagine yeah. uh, the thoughts going through Richard's head when he's available for selection and he sees Zabitzer start at left back? Exactly. That must be so demeaning for a player of Richard's caliber. And I honestly hope that, you know, Nagelsmann starts Zabetzer. I don't know if they had a falling out at the Zebenerstrasse or maybe, you know, like like some sort of friction between the two. But I really hope that this doesn't prevent Nagelsmann from giving Zabetzer, you know, a good shot at starting for the, for, for the starting 11 at the 8 or the 10 spot. Because unless the man gets some minutes, he has no way of showing the coach what he can do in midfield. And I trust his performances for Leipzig and for the Austrian national team so much that I believe if he gets frequent starts, he has the ability to change games. He can be as influential as Leon Goretzka. That's what I believe. But for that, he has to start. And I hope Nagelsmann sees the light, starts him against Benfica, you know, or else, I guess, I mean, (laughs) some people are already calling for Yup to, you know, take the reins again, you know, just get that, get that Uliho NS slash KHR slash Oli Khan, someone of, you know, the supervisory board executive committee to just do that phone call to bring him back from. Yeah. So yeah, when you're uh, used to uh, a certain level, obviously when you have a slip up, it can kind of feel like the end of the world, but you know, some can do it this better than others as far as you know, kind of uh, taking a few steps back and looking at everything. I'm an ardent to... fan of uh, of Nagelsmann, don't get me wrong. So I will still support him. And I believe he is doing a lot of things, you know, right. And he's getting a lot of things correct. He's nailed a lot of his decisions and he has got the team scoring so many goals, like a record number of goals so far. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we uh, have another record. And Lewandowski, again, is already at the point that he was at last season when he obviously broke uh, Gerd Miller's longstanding record. So can't yeah. say that there's anything wrong going forward. It's just perhaps just a little bit defensively. 
perhaps or, stop overthinking maybe and we don't want another Pep Guardiola Man City yes. in the U- UFI Champions League style thing you know so the master of overthinking and you know yeah. overcomplicating things uh, I think I think it was uh I need no name who said on his uh post match rant that uh, football is supposed to be simple I think he said something like that I think I need no name had a point actually in the sense that Nagelsmann actually has a clear plan and I think he has a blueprint for success. He can, you know, put in all the right cogs and make this team function properly. He just needs to get there. And at this point, it's about getting all the, you know, the minor things right. And he's at the experimental stage. Right. I don't mind, you know, him dropping points in the Bundesliga as long as we win it. And I think it's, it's going to be, you know, a fool's going to bet against Bayern winning it again for the 10th time in a row. I think there's almost 99%, you know, it's, it's like a lock-in right. pretty much that Bayern's oh, going to win the Bundesliga. And, and also, but, he also brought up the fact, when is the last time that you can recall Bayern losing badly twice on the bounce or even three times on the bounce? This almost yeah. never happens. Almost every bad defeat like this is followed up with a win or a, at least a series of wins and a good run of form. So hopefully history in that sense, Schnitzel can repeat itself. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully we're able to dispatch Salzburg with relative ease. I don't want to, you know, have us all at the edge of our seats for a draw of, you know, Salzburg's caliber. Because let's be honest, we're lucky we didn't get a better team in the round of 16. I'm not saying Bayern wouldn't have beaten them, but Salzburg is not exactly, you know, the best of tests. But obviously, it could be a litmus test moving forward. They're not pushovers either. So we could get a good look at how Bayern's going to face you know, good pressing teams in the future. Liverpool is a pressing team, you know, yes. so we could yes. look at how Bayern Mayfield are starting 11 to get the best out of that team against a pressing situation. Because believe me, it's going to get really hard in the quarterfinals and the semifinals. The squads are going to get much better. They're going to face top quality opposition. Unless, of course, we get Manchester United, <laughs> in which case <laughs> it'll be a favorable yeah. oh draw. You, but, you but... just don't know what the hell is going on at that club. <laughs> Even as a Liverpool fan, it's just like, obviously yeah. you don't like that club, but it's just you feel bad almost at this point. It's just like, absolutely. It's like, like one of those situations where you're like looking that someone's like clearly in distress. It's like the more you look, the more you have to go in and help. And you're just like, I don't. I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I wouldn't know what to do to help these guys. Yeah, they're spending a lot of money season after season with, you know, the same or even worse results. So it's kind of really, you know, sad from a United fans' perspective. If they end up in a Champions League spot for next season, it's going to be a miracle because it's oh, not 100%. looking good at the moment. Yeah. No, yeah. it is not. So Schnitzel, I just but, I do want to touch touch base on just one last thing. You know, we we've talked so much about Nagelsmann's lineup decisions, uh, in particular this uh, uh, 4-1 type of lineup that he's used at least three times in the past couple of weeks. And, you know, (laughs) we are just spending a decent amount of time talking about Sabitzer, obviously the history that both Nagelsmann and Sabitzer have together from their time at uh, RB Leipzig. And there's another player who's in that same situation in Dio Upamakano. And Schnitzel, just I want to get your thoughts because it just seems like... This was, uh, he's never going to be the main guy, but very much seemed that this transfer revolved around him being a player that was going to be a solidified starter at Bayern. And even this is back when we had no idea that Nikola Zula was going to be going to Dortmund or at least, or even be going. We knew his contract was upcoming, expiring. 
for all intents and purposes, everything at the time seems like we were going to get an extension over the line without too much fuss. And obviously we know that didn't happen. That's not the case. He'll be going to our rivals Dortmund uh, this summer on a free transfer and just schnitzel. I just want to get a feel for So obviously there's a need for a top caliber replacement, especially if Upamakano is not going to turn his fortunes around from what we've seen thus far. And it's really concerning, especially yesterday where um, I think you were talking about Zula when you said this, but just looks like he got slower, but, there was just a couple times yesterday, Schnitzel. It was like Upa Makano was going shoulder to shoulder with either Antwi Ajay, Holtman, or uh, what's the guy's name? Lucadia, Lucadia, the guy who scored the pen. It just seemed like it just seemed like he never. It seemed like he was just striding to stay next to them and never actually got he to was, full pace and just. He never, looked like the slowest man on the pitch. You're right. He, so what do you like? Yeah. If I could get so, just like a quick, quick thoughts from you on what do you think is going on with Upa Makano, and do you think? that it'll turn around anytime soon. I think uh, he. everyone knows he has the quality. Everyone knows how good he is, how good he was at his time at RB Leipzig. And, you know, as a progressive passer of the ball, as a ball-playing centre-back. But, like, at this point, I, I really doubt, I really think it probably could be a mentality issue, like a problem with, you know, him actually acclimatizing to the new situation, to the new environment, facing up, you know, all the pressure coping with the situation at Bayern, you know, being a starter, competing with some of the best defenders around the world. So that pressure could be getting to him. Do you think Schnitzel too? I just want to interject. Obviously, everybody on the squad knows that Zula is now going to be leaving. So that there's even more impetus and perhaps even more weight on his shoulders that's saying, hey, he's going to be gone. So that's one less, you know, starter, if you will, that's going to be in the lineup next season. So you're going to have to be one of those main guys, depending on what Bayern winds up doing as far as a potential replacement for Nicolas Sula. Do you think that's something that's just not helping his, uh, his case at all and perhaps getting to him a little bit? Possibly, especially given that he's just 23 years old. So he's very young and he's still learning as a centre-back. But the issue with Bayern is we can't afford to have centre-backs you know, start and learn at the same time. You cannot be learning on the pitch. You have to execute. And Bayern face top-caliber opponents in the Champions League. You cannot falter in those situations. You cannot, you know, let your nerves get to you. And the kind of, you know, mistakes that Upamecano makes sometimes, they're just like technical errors. They're just like very nifty. Sometimes they're just like, you know, boneheaded mistakes that you just don't see happening with other defenders. You don't see happening very often with, you know, anyone in the Bayern squad. And, you know, for that matter, sometimes it just looks like he cannot stop the, the attackers. It doesn't make any sense. Like, Gerrit Holtman just went past him with no resistance whatsoever, like three times, two or three times. Yeah, exactly. And one of the times, he just nutmegged him and then sent that goal, you know, from like 20 yards out. It, it was a brilliant goal, but that nutmeg was frankly embarrassing. Like, I mean... He should do better than that. So, Upamakano is still learning. And the fact that Nicolas Zula is leaving means we have, and I want to absolutely stress on this, I will keep reiterating this, we need, we have to get a centre-back in the transfer window. Obviously, we can give more minutes to Omar, uh, sorry, Chris Richards and... Uh, <laughs> Oh my God, yes, we have two yes. Richards in the squad. Yeah. It does get confusing sometimes. One is out on loan and we've extensively extensively have covered his background, you know, our very own exactly. trust. So it does get confusing yeah. sometimes. Chris Richards and uh, Tongi Nyonzu, very, very good talents. Obviously, they could get some minutes as well, but they're also at the learning stage. 
So we might need an established right center back so that, you know, we have someone dependable for the big games when we need the players to show up. And players like Andreas Christensen, maybe not Matthias Ginter, I'm excluding him, you know, I, I don't want him in this discussion. Uh, uh, Rudiger, Antonio Rudiger, and possibly Nico Schlotterbeck as well, who's been brilliant for Freiburg, like he has been stellar. These are some, probably also Mavropanos for VFP Stuttgart, who has been very, right. very, very nice. Yeah, And it was so, even, uh, I think, was it Lothar Mateus who even said, uh, a guy we saw yesterday, Bela Kotschap, he was one guy. He yes, Bela Kotschap, yeah, the, uh, yeah. Runs. So these are some of the candidates and they have experience and they're also, you know, proven centre-backs who are really good. They can slot right in. I'm not saying they're world-class. We're losing arguably the best right centre-back we actually, you know, could have had in Niklas Zula. And any alternative might take time to get to that level. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be an easy transition, but I don't want to see, you know, us entering the new season with Ufa Makano as our main centre-back option because that is kind of, you know, kind of unnerving in some, you know, aspects yes. because I, I'm, I'm, I'm really afraid, you know, what this could mean if Ufa Makano tends to have these kinds of, you know, scenarios frequently, you know, heading into a new season, especially when the stakes are very high and we lose points or we lose games in the Champions League. That is just not acceptable. He is a great defender. He has a lot to learn and he can become one of the best, but he is far from that position at this point. So we need to get a centre-back in the window and there is no other way of doing it. Probably get Benjamin Pavard to play right centre-back, but even he didn't do well yesterday. I'm really concerned about our whole right side of the defence at the moment. So I don't even mind if we just went on a shopping spree, you know, all of a sudden. He's brought in a new right-back and a new right centre-back, or maybe Bunazar turns into our version of Marcelo. <laughs> I don't know where, after AFCON, yeah. he's all guns blazing. Yeah, because he was very good for Senegal. So at this point, at this point, I don't see why Bunazar shouldn't get a start over Benjamin Pavard at right-back. And Benjamin Pavard gets to start at right centre-back because, honestly, it couldn't be any worse than what we saw against Bochum. When In finally hears this part of the podcast, he is just going to absolutely <laughs> wince when he hears that. Oh, man. I know he does not <laughs> like Pavard, but I, I think he's even less of a fan of Bonasar. He despises Bonasar. Yeah, yeah. It'll be hilarious he, to see what his reaction is to this part of the podcast. But, but I have but to... I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think uh, the thing is, at this point, we're really hard struck for options and we don't really have much of a choice. So if Nagelsmann wants to experiment, I would suggest he can do that at the Bundesliga if we still have a six-point gap. Obviously not against teams like Dortmund or Leverkusen because that would be stupid. But maybe against, you know, teams when we're winning one or two nil and we're like pretty, you know, dominant with our, you know, possession possession and everything else. He could maybe give Bunazar maybe a 70-minute appearance or, you know, a 45-minute appearance and just check out if he's learned anything new in Afcon yeah. and, you know, probably can show, show something, you know, like probably it's going to be a stretch. Definitely not going to give us anything close to what we've seen from Alfonso Davies or Luca Hernandez for that matter, but maybe an Omar Richards level of performance, you know, maybe just drive the attack, maybe help with the defense. He was so good at defending for Senegal. But that being said, the quality in Afcon is not exactly like, you know, world-class. Most of the opponents that, uh, Senegal phase went on like fantastic, other than probably Egypt and uh, their opponent in the semifinals. So you can test that out. There's no harm in doing that. Nagelsmann should probably give him a shot. 
I'm not very happy with Benjamin Pavard Upamakano. They should probably get benched for a game just to show his frustration and maybe that they have to improve. Because when you're a Bayern player, if you don't perform week in, week out, and for that matter, I want to bring in Gnabry to the discussion because he's been terrible. Like, diabolical, man. Just He just I, he I, seemed like he was I watch a, him play. Like a step behind everything yesterday. Yeah. Or just like too slow, a step behind. Or just he would make a movement like a few inches in the wrong direction and it would cause a, a forward sequence to just like collapse. Or yeah, it just I'm had its several like, options and chose the wrong one. I'm seeing West Brom slash Arsenal Granbury right now. Like, I don't even know. That man has so much potential and he can be unplayable at times. He can be absolutely like such a killer, such a monster. And Tottenham knows, Chelsea know, a lot of other clubs, and you know, Lyon know, right, in the Champions League. They all know. They've been scarred by Gnabry. Even Liverpool, he scored against you guys three years yeah. ago in the Champions League. Was yeah. it? It was it. I thought it was like an own goal, like a. Uh, no, it was, I think I think Serge Gnabry scored. I think he was credited for that goal. Might I think been. I should check again, but I'm pretty sure he was credited for that goal. I thought it might that have been like a that, Lewandowski Gnabry own goal. Sorry, you caught me can, on Liverpool trivia, so obviously I was gonna. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can, let's keep the Liverpool discussions for later. Yes. Anyways, yeah. yeah, Gnabry is such a hot and cold player, and the issue is he's more cold than hot. He gives us like five really, really bad games. Like he's even worse than Jack Grealish and Jack Grealish is on the bench. <laughs> and that tells you just how bad he is, right? And he has been like basically a traffic cone. Against Bochum, he was like so, so bad. And I just feel like if he wants to earn that extension, if he wants to earn as much as Kingsley Comor, if he wants to show the bosses that he's capable of producing the goods, he should really be consistent. And that is one thing we want from a Bayern winger. So consistency from such players, Serge Gnabry, Upamakano, Benjamin Pavar, they're not doing themselves any favors with these kinds of performances. And I think they should be benched just to let them know that they have to improve. Well, and that very much could happen, especially we talk about getting away perhaps from this 4-1-4-1. I think, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it was even the treble winning season, like when we had first come back after COVID, like Gnabry just looked like a different player. He was coming off of a fantastic run of form and just never really seemed like he ever got going again, just seemed uh, a little bit flat, a little bit too cold. And I wonder how much of that lineup like affects him. Like, is he someone who doesn't play as well when he has the, all of those other guys playing around him? Right. And, you know, we saw how much it affects Leroy Zane when you make a tactical switch, moving him from the right to the left. And Gnabry is maybe, kind of a guy who's been uh, at the disposal of that. Tell, maybe we should convince Gnabry that every club he plays is from London and yes. that all the Bundesliga clubs are also actually based in London. Just somehow just, convince him. <laughs> just tell him every every venue we play at is Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, every... Every every team with a white jersey that we play against is Tottenham. <laughs> and it. every team with a blue jersey is Chelsea. <laughs> exactly. He, I mean, he could have probably scored like two or three goals yesterday had we convinced him that Bochum was Chelsea, man. <laughs> 100%. I mean, it was a little bit yeah. of a darker shade of blue with some ugly pinstripes, in my opinion. But it, it's close enough. Someone should have just whispered it in his ear. True. I don't know. Do you, yeah. I don't know. We see cornrows now. 
I kind of prefer uh, half fro Gnabry. It seems like he's always playing well when it's that. We saw dreadlocks Gnabry earlier this season. You mentioned, yeah, Greenwich. maybe that was also the issue yesterday. It's talking like, about haircuts is like, I wonder how you should have just kept the afro. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, it, just you, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. It's like, also, this is a guy who's. We do expect the extension to go through, but you don't want to not help yourself when said extension is on the line because pretty much what we know thus far is that uh, salary is is the main point of interest here, and that's the main thing that's causing. I'm gonna movement. say something controversial here that yeah, may not it. you know go well with the rest of the Bayern fan base or the people <laughs> who are listening to the podcast right now. I think if we can get a sizable sum for Gnabry, like something north of 60 million euros, right? I think we should consider selling him. Interesting. That's my take. Interesting. Above 60 million, you should consider selling him and maybe giving that time to Muziala, who could really use it. Hmm. Because that is another thing. We could spend a whole yeah. other podcast on that. Why is uh, Muziala not getting as much playing time? I mean, I can't actually remember the last time he actually started for us. I mean, it might have Muziala been more recently, but he has—he doesn't seem is, like he was playing as much as he did uh, last season. Muziala's hands down better than Gnabry, especially at the moment. One hundred percent, you know, ahead of Gnabry in the pecking order should be at least. And uh, Serge Gnabry, I feel he offers a lot to Bayern on his day, but he's such a hot and cold player. He's just not, you know, dependable. He's not a Leroy Zane who can produce the goods consistently. He's not a Kingsley Coman who obviously can have some really terrible decision-making in the final third, but can still use his pace and his trickery to devastating effect. This is Gnabry we're talking about, a player who can play like dog shit. I'm sorry about <laughs> the use of explicit language. He can play like absolute, you know, crap against Bochum and, you know, other teams like, you know, RB Leipzig or Hertha Berlin and then produce like one masterclass for every five games. He's probably right. going to score like one or two goals against Salzburg. I'm calling it. <laughs> and then we get the, get into this like vicious circle again. You know, Nagelsmann then starts him for the next two games because of his form. And then he goes back, regresses into like a poor, poorer version of Gnabry. And then after another five games, he'll again score two goals to remind us that he can still produce the good. So I don't think, you know, that kind of consistency cuts it at Bayern. So if we can sell him, maybe give Muziala those minutes and get in a backup winger, I'd say we should go for it. I'd be curious to see. I mean, see. we could really use that money. I'd be curious to yeah. see like what people would say in response to that. You know, I mean, everything you said is very logical. Player who's up for extension has been very hot and cold, could collect a decent sum. Obviously, there would be people, clubs that would be interested in him, especially Real Madrid, perhaps, yeah. Barcelona, PSG, Atletico Madrid. And probably, you know, I think Chelsea off the top of my head. So that's already five clubs out there for you. I am still kind of like Uli Honus in, in being a fan of keeping a lot of the Dimanshaft guys together here at Bayern. I think it creates a lot of very good continuity. But, um, you know, I, I would have to trust Bayern's board in making the right decision. I know I think people have really been getting on the boards back, but they have been navigating through such a difficult situation with all of the personalities they have at Bayern that were kind of upcoming expiring contracts around the same time. And, you know, having to navigate through all of the financial losses posed by the pandemic. And it just has not been easy. And remember Oliver Kahn was stepping in as CEO, like pretty much that, that was what he had to first deal with is like all of the, you know, financial hardships that came about because of COVID. And 
you know, all of these guys want contracts and salaries that are, you know, representative of how the club values them in association with all the other players that are getting new contracts. And, you know, it's, it's a very, very difficult thing. And I I feel oftentimes an underappreciated thing that the front office has to deal with. And, you know, a lot of people just look at it as if it's something that's very black and white, like, Oh, we got this player. He didn't, didn't start off great. And Oh, we lost this player. So that's, that's all I'm going to make my decisions and judgments based off of which that's not the case. Like there's so many intricate details and minutiae that go into these decision-making processes and it's not cut and dry black and white. It's very difficult to do. And, but yeah, I would really be really curious actually in the comments of this pod to see what people would have to say about that. It's just, like I said, it's, not a completely asinine, you know, idea. And, you know, the, the logic makes sense. I'd just be curious to see if anyone else feels the uh, the same about that schnitzel. I've never, I just haven't heard anyone say that uh, recently, but um, I'd be curious. So let us know definitely in the comments how you feel about that. And now schnitzel, before we basically wrap this podcast up, like any last words on that or anything else? I know that was a pretty bold statement. That's, a, you know, going out with a bang <laughs> for this episode. I like it. Yeah, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, if you're not bold and if you just put things out there, you're always going to end up having regrets. And I just like, you know, having it out there. You know, I'm not a, an antique Gnabry person. I'm not saying he's terrible. I'm not saying we shouldn't, you know, consider extending him. But I just want more consistency from Bayern plays. That is all. And if we can give those minutes to a talent like Muziala, who could be a world beater in the future, so be it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... I think nobody should be misconstrued, construed, sorry, and, you know, uh, adopt the mindset that you dislike Gnabry or don't rate him as a player or don't respect him. That's obviously not the case. Uh, And, you know, good business sometimes is just good business. And if it's something that's best for the club, especially if we can get a a player in return that that suits us better and, you know, is more beneficial for the long-term goals of Bayern, then why not do it? I mean, I'd be all for that if that, that opportunity prevented itself. Um, but with that said, I think it's a good place to wrap. I think I'm finally going to stop putting off, getting out there and shoveling. I'm just not looking forward to it, <laughs> but schnitzel, it was a uh, very, very nice linking up with you again and, and getting another episode under the belts. And I'm really excited to see how people are going to respond to that uh, bold statement at the end. But, uh, I think you being a fitness freak shoveling is could be a part of your workout routine you know it <laughs> is it's always just such an awkward thing and i'm very stubborn <laughs> i like to get it done quick because i don't like being out there and i just do not use the legs enough and just lower back doesn't like it so you know i definitely have some tylenol some motrin in my future but nonetheless like old man tom <laughs> yes yes i know i know I've, I've broken 30 and now i'm just going downhill but everyone thanks uh, again for listening be sure to like rate and subscribe on whatever podcast or excuse me. See, I'm so old. I'm already scrambling my words, but be sure to like rate and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you use to listen to our podcast. Be sure to always check back to Bavarian podcast works for new episodes, Bavarian football works for Bayern Munich and Germany news. So until next time, which will probably be schnitzel himself on a preview for the Albert RB Salzburg clash in the champions league. Thanks for listening and Auf Wiedersehen.